Uh, but today we are excited. We've got a friend of ours, Andre Franklin. Come, he's coming in to teach us. He is working to plant a church in East End. Is that, is that East End? Downtown. East, East Downtown. His mic is on. Hey, it's it sounds good. Come in hot. It's called Tree Houston. Uh, he is this. He's he's in this year's residency class at the Houston Church Planting Network, which started this past week. So we're so excited. He's part of 38 pastors working towards planting churches in Houston. So we can celebrate that. Absolutely. And we love bringing him in because it just, again, what's good for the kingdom is good for us. And we want to celebrate anyone planting a gospel-centered word, anchor church. I know that's what Tree Houston is, just for my little time with Andre. So I just wanted to introduce you, introduce you guys to Andre. Andre, we're looking forward to hearing from you this morning. Come on up. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? I'm from my gym right there. Hopefully that'll kick it over. Um, how are you doing this morning? Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. 
And when he had said these things, they were as they were looking, he lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? And then Jesus, and this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into let me just pray over us this morning. Lord, I thank you for each and every heart here, each and every person here today. Uh, thank you that uh, we get to be the body of Christ uh, and come together and gather on Sunday mornings and that community is not a burden, but it's a joy and a privilege. And so, God, I pray that as you use me today, God, that you speak what you want to speak through me. And God, that I point to you. And that I pray that, that we as a community uh, get to sift through your word and learn truth. And so, Father, I hope uh, and am excited for the message that you have to give to your people today. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We love you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, I want to start off with a story, right? There's a philosopher slash theologian, right, uh, that is named James Smith. So his favorite phrase is, you are what you love. Uh, and so he wrote a book called Desiring the Kingdom. Uh, and this book it talked about the idea of the good life. And so uh, let's, let's say, for example, there's a kid that wants to go to the NFL and wants to be the best NFL football player ever. Then his version of the good life is to be in the NFL. And everything that he does in his life is going to propel him to get to that future. And so, when we look at this idea of the good life, it's basically, what do you desire most in life? And so, desiring the kingdom is talking about how formative liturgy forms our desires and our hearts. For example, for the church, it would be like communion. Right? Communion is not just taking the bread of Christ or the flesh of Christ, but in, in taking the blood of wine or juice, right? But it's actually forming your mind to say, this is how we interact in community. I don't know if you ever heard somebody say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you, and this is the body of Christ broken for you over and over and over again, but there's something about it that forms your heart and says, yeah, this brother has been forgiven, I have been forgiven, and we get to connect in a way that shows that we are part of a different government, right? The kingdom of God. That we are interconnected in such a way that is so beautiful. And so that forms our mindset to thinking that, okay, I actually can interact with a brother or sister in Christ and not have anything between us. I can actually worship God through taking communion. And so he even kind of takes this example further, and he says one of the largest places of worship uh, is a place uh, that is like a labyrinth when you kind of get into it. It's kind of like a maze. It's kind of confusing, but it has kind of beautiful small chapels in and out. And you have people that come in religiously and go out religiously. And then it talks about how the windows, there's actually kind of a picture of what you do in these chapels. Like, what, what's the good thing to do? What's the appropriate thing to do in these chapels? 
And so when you go into these chapels and you walk in and then you kind of sift through the racks and try to find something that is so awesome and so so great, right, that you desire. And then after that, then you kind of go up to uh, what they call kind of a priest, right? There's a transaction that happens there. And so it's kind of crazy how that works. And, and then you're kind of sent off for the benediction and it's like, hey, have a good day. Come back. You can't. So if you have caught me by now, what I'm talking about is a mall. Right? And so this illustration was talking about actually how the mall forms our version of a good life. Right? And so he's saying, do what we say is our version of a good life, and what we do, different things. So maybe we say, hey, I want to be the best teacher ever, but maybe I'm at the mall each and every day. Are you doing anything to form you? And so what James K. Smith is saying, okay, if that good life is really real, then for Christians, what does that look like? What does that mean for us? And so what he uh, asks and begs for us to think about is, if we say maybe desiring the kingdom for Christians is what our version of the good life is, then is what we do what we say match up with that message. And so when I get into uh, what we're going to talk about today, I want us to think about that. Is what we do and what we say two different things? Are they on the same line? Uh, And so I'm so excited to talk about the anticipation of Christ's return. That's what we're talking about this morning. And so what I want us to see that there's a prerequisite into anticipating Christ's return rightly. And that prerequisite is, do you cherish the kingdom? Do you desire the kingdom, right? Do you long to see relationships restored and humanity with, with humanity to God, but also humanity with one another? Do you long to see these things? Do you long to see a new heaven, a new earth? Do you long to see the wholeness of humanity come instead of the brokenness that we constantly see around us? Do you long to see these things because this is the kingdom and more? And so I want to talk about the parable of Jesus briefly where he talks about the kingdom of heaven and he's going through these series of the kingdom of heaven is life, the kingdom of God is life. And so I'm just going to read in this Matthew 13, 44. You don't have to turn there, but I want to read it to you. And it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man finds and covers it up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And so... Uh, I remember I was in a Bible study uh, one night, and I happened to be one of the lucky people that caught what this young woman said, and it was so profound. And, and she said, this is how most Christians look when they are pursuing the kingdom. Maybe not like Matthew 13, 44, but much, much like this, right, where we buy the field. And we sell everything that we have, we buy this field, and we rejoice and we're excited after our purchase. We're like, man, I just bought something great. And then, you know, because transactions happen somewhere, right? You gotta go somewhere to buy it, and then you gotta go back. And so it's this picture of this man in his joy, celebrating his purchase, and on his way back, he's running. I mean, he's sprinting back to this field, extra excited about what he gets to just in, 
enjoy for the rest of his life. So he's running back, he's running back, he's running back. And then something to his right distracts him. Something beautiful. It's great. He loves it. He loves the way he looks. And so he slowly but surely starts to jog instead of sprint. And then as he's jogging, then he looks to the left, and then something else distracts him, and now he's walking. Right? And then as he's walking, he gets distracted again, and he stops. She said, this is most Christians, this is how most Christians' life look when you pursue the kingdom of God. That's how it looks, right? We get distracted. We, we see things, and instead of spreading back overjoyed, we get taken away by something else. And before we get back to our field, we stop. Me and my wife, we were talking about ministering to our neighbors in our apartment complex. My wife is Terry Lynn Franklin right here. Raise your hands with me so people know who I'm talking to. You're not just looking in the midst of something. Uh, and so we talked about how can we pursue our neighbors? How can we meet our neighbors, right? And we were like, we should bake cookies. Like, that's a great thing to do. And I'm like, all right, we're going to bake cookies. We're going to do it. And then later on that week, I'm like, that's kind of weird, right? I mean, a man comes to your doorstep, like, hey, I got some cookies. How you doing? Right? And so we were thinking about this idea, and I'm like, man, okay, we've got to think of something else. We've got to do something else. We can't, we can't do that. I mean, it sounds good, but it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. And so, we're like, well, we have church here every Thursday. So let's just tell people, hey, we might be a little loud because we're having church. Right? <laughs> we're having church here. We should come. Yeah. <laughs> Slip that in a little bit. Right? But it's that idea, like, man, like, that would be a great idea. And then later on that week, I'm like, yeah, honey, that's not going to work. I don't think that's going to work. It's not going to be good. And so, much like us running, sprinting, right? Much like us jogging, that's kind of what the progression happened in my mind. I was sprinting. I was like, man, yeah, we got to do this. This is the kingdom. We got to meet people. And then all of a sudden, I started to doubt. And all of a sudden, I started to doubt more. And I started to get distracted. And I tried to go with another idea. And then all of a sudden, I missed the point of what I'm called to do. I missed it. And so... What I want to ask you is, do you cherish the kingdom? Do you really cherish the redemption, God coming in, the new heaven, new earth, seeing Jesus again? Do you really cherish that? Is that your joy and your passion? And if so, if you say it is, then what does your life say? Somebody to look at your life and say, the message that you're sending is totally different than what you're actually preaching Maybe you're actually teaching. Maybe you're actually saying your joy is. And so uh, our statement of the week is we believe in the personal, bodily, and pre-millennial return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The joy of that man. The coming of Christ at a time known only to God demands constant expectancy and as our blessed hope motivates the believer to godly living sacrificial service and an energetic mission. and so actually I'm going to ask you to do something I'm going to ask you if you can stand up with me stand up with me
and we're going to read this together. I think it's on the screen, sweet. So we're going to read this together. So you can read it at a different pace. If I sound good because I'm on the mic, then it's okay. But uh, let's start. We believe in the personal, bodily, pre-mortal return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of Christ at a time known only to God demands constant expectancy and as our blessed hope So our main text is what we read earlier on. But I want to give you some background before I get to Acts 3. And so what happened was Luke wrote Acts, and so we're going to read the Luke Gospel, Luke and Gospel. Uh, we're going to talk about what how that pertains to Acts 1. Uh, so the end of Luke and Luke 24, you have this idea of Jesus appearing to his disciples again. And so, uh, what happened was, is the disciples were kind of nervous, right? I think so. After three days of somebody who told you he was coming back, it seemed like it was eternity, right? Because number one, something that you really haven't seen before, other than Jesus raising Lazarus, right? These things that you don't see before, Jesus saying, okay, I'm going to come back and arrive in a few days. Okay, great. So the disciples, they were nervous. They were scared. They were like, the hope that I had is gone. And then Jesus shows up. And I love this imagery. It reminds me of like when my parents told me to do something, and my mom's actually here, which is funny. Uh, so my parents told me to do something, and I didn't do anything. I didn't do what they told me to do. Like, I knew the time they were coming home, and I knew what was going to happen. Like, I knew. And I'm just like, I'm just going to take it. I'm fine. I got it. And uh, yeah, I was a pretty rebellious child. Uh, thank the Lord uh, that was BC before Christ. And so, um, but the biggest thing was is that I knew what was going to happen. I knew they were going to come in and, and they were going to be great parents and punish me like I deserve. Um, and so Christ, I love what Christ does in this moment whenever He appears to His disciples, and I love Him. But I love what he said. He said, peace to you. They've been doubting. They've been not doing anything. They've been just kind of scared and saying, God, like, is he really coming back? Is this really real? And he said, peace to you. That joy in that moment. That's so relaxing for the disciples to not hear, what have you been doing though? And so, what I love in this moment is that we see that Jesus comes back, but then he talks about how, I thought I told you. I thought I told you what was going to happen. I thought I told you that we were, that I was coming back, that I was going to raise from the grave. I thought I told you that. Why didn't you believe me? And then they went through the scriptures, and he opened their mind, and they saw who he was, and they believed. These are the same disciples who uh, are preaching these messages and thousands of people are getting saved. The same disciples that were timid in that moment are now 
as you read the rest of Acts, somewhere within trusting in the power of God. But I want to ask you this morning, how many of us can be those doubters, right? Not trusting in the provision of the Lord, or not trusting that he might be faithful, or maybe uh, the things that he does, or the provision that he makes, does not like our provision that we would want for ourselves, and we kind of get nervous. We kind of say, God, this is not how I pictured you coming back. And so, uh, that's where we are in Acts. Jesus has appeared to his disciples and he's preaching about the kingdom of God. Right? The kingdom. And he's preaching and saying, hey, I'm here, I'm here for a little bit, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. The helper is going to come. So mainly where I want to be today is when the disciples ask the question. The infamous question uh, after Jesus is talking about the kingdom, after everything's happening, the disciples, of course, ask, as they always would ask, right? Uh, so when they had come together, they asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Okay, valid question. Right. But there were so many views on the kingdom, the Israelites. Some thought, hey, or the Jews, some thought, hey, like, Jesus is going to come back. The Messiah is going to come here. We're going to overthrow the Roman government. We're going to oppress them instead of them oppressing us. After thousands of years of oppression, right? Thousands of years. And then, if you had this idea of the kingdom just being out of this world, we just need to get out of this world, and we will be in the kingdom of heaven. So there were so many views. And I remember asking this question to a couple friends. And I said, what is your idea of utopian society? What is your idea? Right? Just give me three things that's your idea of the utopian society. And everybody was different. And so much like the Jews, everybody had a different idea of what the kingdom looked like. But then I love this. I love Jesus' response. He, yeah, this guy. Jesus, man. I love, I love his response. And he says, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Don't worry about it. It's not your business when that's going to happen or how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So why don't you trust in me, right? Why don't you just kind of get that out of your mind and what I like to say is stay in your lane. That's not your job. That's the Father's business, right? And then, what I love is that he says, don't worry about it, but focus on the mission, right? Don't worry about that, but focus on what we're called to do. And he says next, but you will receive power. It's like no transition there. He just says, don't worry about it, but you will receive power, right? Like, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can call witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. So I love that idea. Right. He says, don't worry about that. But focus on what we're called to do. So what I'm going to ask you this morning is the mission. 
you? What are you doing in light of Christ's return, right? And how are you anticipating the arrival? In the mission of witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so, uh, I just love to get the background of this. And so, what the Ro- or what, what they believe at this point being the end of the earth was Rome. Uh, they didn't have Google Maps like we do. Uh, so the end of that earth was Rome. And so uh, this idea of to the end of the earth, I mean, Jerusalem from Rome was about 1,400 miles. So that's pretty good, pretty good time, right? Uh, they don't have cars like we do. So, you know, is that idea of that's a pretty long time, and that's a pretty impossible task. Um, but I love how Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit beforehand and knew what he thought of the Holy Spirit. And he said, oh, what, there's going to be greater deeds that are done when I leave. Greater deeds than Jesus done when he leaves. And then you have this idea where he's like, I'm going to send a helper with you. I'm not just going to leave you alone. And you're going to continue the ministry of the gospel. You're going to continue the ministry that I started here. And so I want to ask you the question of how are you being a good neighbor? We talk about in our church, how are you being a good neighbor in your Jerusalem? Where you are. How are you doing that? Are you doing that well? How are you going out? Are you loving your family right? Because sometimes that can be the hardest ministry. Are you loving your friends well? Are you loving God loving people well in your city? And then the second question that I ask is how are you doing in your Judea? How are you doing with people outside of your circle that you might not be that close to? And then, this is the hardest one, number three, Samaria, right? How are you doing with your enemies? How are you doing with those that you might not like and that you might know not like you? How are you doing with that? And then to the end of the earth, are we so focused on ourselves that we don't know what's going on? And not just in the city of Houston, not just in Texas, not just in maybe New York, but also in the world. We have brothers and sisters who are struggling, but they are still preaching the kingdom. So what are we doing there? How are we doing in the mission? Because in order to anticipate Christ rightly, the only way in carrying out the mission of the gospel, the mission of the kingdom here in Houston as it is in heaven. And so to tell you a little bit about us as true Houston, we believe that it's his story redeeming your story and using our story as the church to bring shalom to the broken city. So church plants are so beautiful and we need them, right? And we love places where Keith is doing what he's doing here at the Bridge Montrose, what y'all, y'all are doing here with Heath. It's not just Heath, right? And so as Christians, I, I want to preach to your heart. I want to preach to your identity today. You're a child of God, and so what are you doing about the mission of Jesus? And so this morning we talked about a lot. 
But I want you to remember these things. If you believe James K. Smith, you are what you love. And what do you do throughout your day? What do you do throughout your week? What does that look like for you? What places do you go all the time? And it doesn't necessarily say if you go here, you're bad. If you go here, you're bad. Because uh, Jesus always tended to hang out with the people that nobody liked, right? And nobody thought was awesome. But it's this idea of what do you do? And then how are you doing on not worrying about the wrong things? Because Jesus says, don't worry about how the kingdom's going to be restored and when and will and where. Stay in your land. Are you worrying about the wrong things and it's hindering you from actually carrying out the mission of the gospel? And then, what does verse 8 live like in the city of Houston? Your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, and to the end of the earth. What does that look like? Are you being good neighbors? Or is it just a Sunday or a Bible study thing, transformation groups that you had? What does it look like? Are you branching out? What does it mean for us to bring shalom into a broken city? And then number four, we're thinking about Christ's return. What should we do? I believe focus on the mission. Focus on the mission of the gospel. And focus on the mission that Jesus gave his disciples before he left. So, uh, as I close, I just want to pray over us. Uh, a prayer that Paul uh, wrote in Philippians, and it's so beautiful to me. So pray with me. He says, and this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and to the glory and praise of God. And Lord, I thank you again. This morning, I thank you. Uh, for what you had me say. God, I thank you for each young brother and sister that has ears to hear this morning. And God, I pray that you enable us to focus on the mission. Focus on what you have called us to do on this earth. Focus what it looks like to be a good neighbor in the area of Montrose. What it looks like for the new heaven and new earth to come. What is it like for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven? God, we pray for that. God, I pray that you shape our hearts continuously. And God, thank you again for the opportunity to be here in the midst of a great body of Christ. I pray that you uplift these brothers and sisters, give them power, and as you promised, to be witnesses. Lord, we love you. We thank you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for allowing me to share this morning.